Big Conversations family, what is going on? Thanks for sticking with us. I got another great episode for you. And today, it's going to be another good conversation, another big conversation. And um, before I really get started into the topic, though, we have another special guest with us here today. I want to introduce my friend, Carl. Carl, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, well, my name is Carl. I am a theology major at Southern, and um, I play keys as that's my job I, I i'm a keyboard player um i play at sunday churches worship and make money so yeah that's Excellent. kind of like a little brief overview of what i do yeah and i i think correct me if i'm wrong i feel like the first time i actually ran into you was after vespers yeah because i know that's something i do a lot i'll go up yep. and just if i think the songs were good and i go up and let the people know mm -hmm. yeah. he, he does a good job so you know how we like to get things jumping off here. Word of the day is disingenuous. Disingenuous is an adjective, Carl, and it means not candid or sincere, typically by pretending that one knows less about something than one really does. Mm. And to be honest, I chose this word for today's episode because I think that a lot of young people who are leaving the church are disingenuous Christians. And now I ask everyone this, so no pressure if you don't want to do it on the spot, but can you use the word disingenuous in a sentence for us. Hmm. So again, it means not candid or sincere, pretending you don't know something you actually do know, or knowing less than you know. I don't know. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind might not be the best example, but something like his family was just disingenuous. <laughs> <laughs> so. That'll work. He's not talking about my family. I'll let you know that for sure. So what prompted the topic? You know, when I was a kid, I remember... There was a, a solid period of my life, probably most of my teenage years, where I wasn't a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist family. But I said, I'm not going to get baptized until later on in life because I don't want to be a bad person, but I know there's things I want to do and a lifestyle I want to live that doesn't properly represent the church. So I was like, you know what? For that reason, I'm not going to be a Seventh-day Adventist, but I'm going to believe Jesus, I'm going to believe in God, yeah. I'm going to do what I need to do, and then once I get to a point in my life where I've gotten it out of my system, so to speak, then I'll come back and be a Seventh-day Adventist. But I think as I got older, what I realized is that everyone's walk with Jesus is a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. There's 100% standards, I'm not saying there's not, but there is room to not be exactly like my dad, for example, Yeah, and I can still be a part of the church, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that's what prompted the topic in my mind. So if I asked you the question, if you saw me on the street and I asked you, have you thought about why young people are leaving the church? What prompts the topic in your mind? Um, for me, man, I mean, it's just I've been a youth leader uh, before. I was a youth director at a different church and I was just seeing how youth would just pour out of the church. Um, and honestly, that church was pretty dead. Like when, was, when you say youth, what ages are we talking about? Uh, I would say roughly roughly 10 to 18 let's just keep it okay. there for the sake of the conversation um i think that was the major age range that i'd see the 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 most the biggest exodus if i could mm -hmm. say from the church um and yeah i it was it was tough to bring people back for it to seem appealing uh to bridge conversations between people who thought that that was fine or and people who thought that that was actually an issue um, and I, I guess like I, I got to work a lot in Pathfinders and youth ministry and just I got to see the the heart of people who actually want to be in church and the heart of people who actually don't want to be in church and are being forced to go and also the ones who have just chosen to leave. 
And so to me, that's just been a topic that's always been resounding in my heart because like I've experienced it firsthand and seen it with my own eyes. Um, and it's, it's kind of scary, honestly. It is. And that's interesting you mentioned 10 to 18 is the age range mm -hmm. because there was an article that I scanned. And again, audience, you guys know I'm not a statistician, right? We're just talking about the concepts, the ideas here. But, but cold, <laughs> thank you. cold Case Christianity, they had an article and they said that the kind of the defining years of if you, of if you stay in the church or if you don't are ages 14 to 17. So that, mm. that's right in the middle of the range mm. you talk about. Yeah. But, you know, why is this important? Why should people listen to this podcast? Why does this even matter? Why are we talking about it? You know, Religion just in general is on the decline in Western society. We're getting to a point where people are prioritizing their own truth or their own versions of religion or and a lot of time that really ends up just being self-worship or worship yeah. of celebrity sports and that's not directly where we're taking the conversation today but the reason why this is important is because when religion is removed from our lives in its organized form, it, it removes a checkpoint at which people, I'm, I'm trying to think how to word this. Okay. I'll, I'll take it from a different angle. Yeah. If somebody doesn't care about religion, doesn't believe the Bible, but they have one hour a week where they go into an environment where it's okay. We're going to be kind. We're going to be good. We're going to be respectful. We're going to pretend we're interested in helping other people, even if we're not, right? Mm -hmm. That one hour is one more hour than people are getting now, more often, because they're not even a part of churches yeah. at all, right? A second reason why this is important is because organized religion, it's inherently about growth, right? Nobody starts a church, plants a church, builds up the building and says, yeah, I hope just the people in here, we grow old together, we die, and then this church dies off. No. Yeah. If you have something good, you want to share it. You want to spread it, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we are not able to convert our own children to something that we believe in so strongly, I'd say that's why this is pretty important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? Uh, I think... Even on the converting aspect that you just brought up, maybe maybe what if the actual situation is like that we are trying to convert them to what we're believing without getting them to hmm. think for themselves hmm. um, and actually desire it themselves. You know, if you can if you can teach someone that they actually should want something, it's more likely that they will do it instead of you just chugging it down their throat. You know, sometimes or actually I'd say a lot of times honestly, uh, parents just take their children to church and don't teach them to love it they don't teach them why they need it they don't teach them the uh the the need for jesus the need for love the the need to experience community and if you as a kid who doesn't understand why they're going to church if you're just going to church because your parents said so it's going to die off super quick and so that's why we're seeing what we're seeing i believe you just shouldn't force them Maybe it's not about convicting them. It's about instilling that desire in them. Interesting. I tend to agree. You know, you, you, you took the lid part way off. Let's just go ahead and open the can <laughs> let things flow here. So what are we talking about? Carl, I don't think kids even believe what their parents believe. Mm -hmm. And I think the proof of that is just, well, are, are your eyes open? And, and I don't like using phrases like this because I... I try to take a more respectful tone, but frankly, I think anybody with half a brain sees that yeah. kids typically <laughs> yeah. don't believe exactly the same way as their parents. Yeah. 
have you seen the same thing or do you do you have a different perspective or do you do you more share my side no i know i've seen that um kids are more or early teens are more free thinkers than you'd think Mm -hmm. uh you tend to think that you know that comes later on in life like late teens early 20s you know but you've technically uh psychologically if i'm not mistaken you've reached or formed your worldview by like 10 or 12. and so i didn't if, know that if, I you, believe it though. if you have kids that have been solidified in what they think that early they're bound to bring up and raise up questions internally those que- if, when those questions aren't addressed it leads to doubt and then it leads to just plain uninterest, disinterest for what's what's happening in church. Um, so I I just think it's prone to happen. Kids are just not not believing what their parents are believing, just because it's it's part of life. You you want to question things, and they're not getting answers for it. Yeah. So then that almost prompts the question in my mind: Is it a natural and appropriate part of the development process? for someone to leave and come back into the church because i know there's a bible verse that says like train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they won't depart from it yeah to be fair it says when they're old <laughs> it doesn't say when they're yeah 21 yeah anything like that um i'd say i'd say to that number one is um biblical scholars agree that you shouldn't interpret proverbs as promises it's it's tendencies that should occur but when people quote that verse as a promise they're misinterpreting or misusing that verse. Okay. It, it's not actually saying he will absolutely, they will absolutely not turn because obviously you have very nice, caring pastoral families or missionary families and their children are total rebels. You yeah. Know? And that's why we get to do a podcast exactly. on it. So like, it, it's not a, a one size fits all verse. It's just typically if you train them up, you know, they will, they'll, they'll stay there. But that's just not bound to happen every single time. Gotcha, gotcha. And I think when we're talking about this one specific point that kids don't believe what their parents believe in the first place, I think it's important to start the conversation framing it that way. Mm -hmm. Because I hear, and bless their hearts, I hear a lot of older people talking about this issue in the church and they say oh how did we lose them did this happen this whatever right and i'm like you never got them in the first place right Mm -hmm. like and i can only speak to the seventh day adventist community in in tennessee and north carolina because that's where i've been and that's where i've gone to school but i know for a fact that so many of these parents they may believe the doctrines of the church, the health message, whatever, right? But when it comes down to what their kids will actually do when they're not around, night and day difference, right? Yeah. I'm not accusing any of these parents of being bad parents. I think what I'm trying to say is I think a lot of these numbers that we might find about young people leaving the church are actually a reflection of the fact that not everybody born into a Christian home becomes a Christian themselves. Yeah. And again, like... Guys, don't get mad at me. Think about your friends. Think about what your parents do and think about what your friends do. Think about what you do. Like, we're Seventh-day Adventists, right, here on this podcast. Think about how your parents spend a Sabbath afternoon and how your friends do it. They're not the same, right? So, moving on, I think that what happens a lot of times is kids, they play the victim. And I'm, I have such a problem with playing the victim, whether it's on racial lines or different things like that. But kids often claim that the church is emphasizing tradition over the gospel. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I'm sure that that's something you, you could 
add more to the topic than I would. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I just say uh, we as a church have gotten accustomed to preaching everything that does not matter. And um, we have stopped preaching the thing that does matter, which is Jesus and his love. And honestly, when you stop preaching that, people are going to leave because that's not anything else that's not his love is is going to completely tear them away from the church. So let me ask um, you a question on that. Yeah. Because a lot of older people will say, oh, what are you talking about, Carl? All my church preaches is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then we're so soft and we're so easy on these kids. Yeah. What would you say to that? Yeah. Um, it, it's a combination of many factors. So um, I read a book called Growing Young like a while ago, and it has tons of research, not just this, because this is not just a problem with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's a problem like everywhere worldwide. Um, so basically, there's, uh, there's uh, issues in relationship um, with older people um, and young people, issues in relationship with young people to young people. Um, issues just in, issues in relationships in general yeah in general and and involvement kids involvement in church be feeling like they have a place feeling like they have a family feeling like they can get involved um and then also uh you have minor factors like the looks of the church and if it's modern or if it has that cool nice contemporary yeah. worship if it doesn't have a smoke machine <laughs> not coming yeah right now, Hey, fog machines are pretty dope, but, <laughs> but you know, those are actually minor issues, um, according to studies, but so all of those factors like play together, uh, they, they play a huge role in whether kids leave or not. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the sermon. You can be preaching Jesus, 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 and if you're not involving them in a good way, if you're not making them feel welcomed, if you're not feeling them, uh, making them feel like if they can actually pour their talents out in the community then they're not bound to stay because why be in a place that doesn't want your worth? You know? Yeah, and that makes sense. But I, I'm very cynical on the young people who are leaving the church who talk about why they leave the church. And I know people within the church like to do surveys and things like that. Oh, why did you leave or whatever? Yeah. Bottom line, it just comes down to the fact that they don't care. They didn't care. They never cared. And potentially they will care in the future, but not mm -hmm. with any way that we can predict. Right. And so whether, whether you agree or disagree with, mm -hmm. with my angle on that, I yeah. would kind of support my supporting evidence for that would be to say, if people don't even believe what they believe the church believes, and if they don't value the values that the church sets up as important, then why is it any wonder that they leave? And I think what happens again is that because kids don't want to disappoint their parents or because grandma paid for them to go to Southern or something <laughs> like that, then they'll turn around and say, Oh, the church yeah. hurt me. The church told me I, 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 my skirt was too short or that I yeah. couldn't pierce my ears or that I couldn't do freestyle rapping because hip hop is of the devil. And it mm -hmm. might be, but, but my point here is like what kids are doing is I think they're finding a way to point the finger and say, Oh, it's because of what this person or that person or someone in the church did. When as a matter of fact, they wouldn't have gone in the first place if it wasn't for their parents. And, and, and there's no deep attachment to the church that's really there. And so why do I bring this up? I bring this up because we're talking about how some people feel the church has prioritized tradition over the gospel itself. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that statement in the vacuum, but in this specific context, I feel like what kids are doing is they're taking advantage of the opportunity to say, see, 
this church doesn't have a fog machine. See, this church thinks that we can only sing from the hymn book. And it's like, I don't think that's really the issue. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's actually not, you know, and according to studies, it really isn't. Um, it, it shows that people, kids, teens, young people lead the church more on issues of relationship that they can't find connection um, than anything else. It really comes down to how well is a church involving its people. Because you can have traditional churches that are flourishing with youth. I mean, um, there's a church nearby like five minutes away from Southern. And it's a traditional church. And it has a like 125 plus Pathfinder Club. You know, they're huge and they have a strong wow. youth ministry. But everyone there is super intentional. What is the name of the church, by the way? McDonald Road. Hey, McDonald Road SDA, yeah. shout out, you're doing great. Y'all y'all got it. <laughs> but like they're they're flourishing, you know. But maybe if you go to a more contemporary worship service, you you might not find them there. But yeah, it it goes back to it, it's more of a problem of connection. Um but if if kids are being taught what the church says is what matters, I still think that's a setup for them to leave. It shouldn't be about what the church says. It shouldn't be about what the church dictates. It shouldn't be about the church's doctrines or the church's this or that or what denomination you go to. It should all be about what does Jesus say? Okay, and, and I hear you, but don't you think people should inherently understand that when they're going to a church, the pastor's name is not Jesus and his last name is not Christ? Yeah. Like, like I think... Because I don't like when we play this game of, oh, you have to understand that that person... Yeah, we know that's not Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, when somebody says, I left because I thought that's what Jesus was like because the pastor said that, okay, there's the one percenter. But I, this is why the word of the day is disingenuous mm -hmm. today. I think people are, again, using that as an example and saying, see, this is why I left. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's actually well, the reason. I agree with you to an extent. Some people do use those kind of like mechanisms to like sway away from taking responsibility it was their choice to leave um but at the same time we also need to acknowledge that people are on different walks with god right mm -hmm. um to some people uh what someone does will determine how they view god i mean psychologically speaking kids uh kids without a uh, a dad in the household are more prone to violence, to crimes, uh, to, you know, seeking Almost what in the world is their bad, purpose. Yeah. yeah. And so one person, just one person leaving and exiting that can, can cause such a, such a dramatic shift on their perspective and view on reality. And we even see that on God. Like if, um, if a, if a dad leaves the household, the way they view, um, God as their heavenly father is super tainted because it's like if my dad left me, how can I believe in a heavenly dad? father? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can't like people can use that and I've heard that and I've seen that myself. But there's also this side where some people are actually struggling through how can I even see God through the mess that's going on in church? Mm -hmm. And some churches are heck of toxic. <laughs> like I will say that. And you start questioning, like, is this really what God looks like? I mean, if this is, if this is, if we're representing God, if God's supposed to be moving here and transforming lives, I'm not, you know, I don't want I, that, I hear you. you know? And I think you bring up the example of like a dad in the home and I see the comparison. I don't think that's a fair comparison specifically for this because I think a dad and 
sadly today this is often not the case mm -hmm. but a dad who's doing what he's supposed to do who stays married to mom and is involved in the kids lives is going to have much more impact and much more face time with the kids and affecting their perception than the yeah. pastor or that lady or church but but at any rate you keep mentioning relationships which i think is very important like mm -hmm. Whatever your religion is, right? And I keep referencing the fact that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, you're a Seventh-day Adventist, but we're not talking specifically about the Seventh-day Adventist church here only because this applies to all denominations of Christianity within the United States, right? And so kind of wrapping all these things together, adding a layer to the conversation, th there's no doubt about it. Christianity has been heavily, heavily politicized, right? And whether you want to acknowledge it or not, let's just be honest here. The party of God is Republicans, you know? And, and if you don't vote Republican, if you don't tend to lean on the the Fox News talking points, essentially, a lot of times you don't yeah. fit in mm -hmm. in a Christian church, even in yeah. a Seventh-day Adventist church. And I, I definitely see this as a problem. Yeah, it, it is an issue. It is an issue. Yeah. And one more thing I'll add on that, too. I think that... Another thing that, that's really sad that's happened with this politicization of Christianity is that a lot of these Christians, because remember, we already said they're disingenuous, right? Yeah. They don't even believe the Bible. They don't even read the Bible, right? So where do they get their sources of information? Oh, the, the, the political news network that mentions the Bible every now and then. Yeah. And so then you get Christians interpreting the world and the Bible and God through the Republican Party, Yeah. right? And, yeah. and this is not... This is not my stance of affirmation for the Democratic Party. I am not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. But what I'm definitely saying is that if you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian first. Yeah. If you want to be a Republican, that's cool. Be a Republican second. But these things have become just so incredibly merged. And yeah. why, do you, why do you think we got here? Um, again, our, our tendency as humans, I, I, I kind of look at, scripture and i think about the fact that the israelites wanted a king even when they had god mm. when they wanted they asked for saul they were like give us saul give us saul give us saul give us a king give us a king give us a king and god's like but you have me i'm your king right and they still wanted it and so god just let them have their king and it did not end good you know because every single king that came after that some were good some were bad but it just led israel on a roller coaster um, and I think what God was trying to show there is, hey, if you have any any earthly power that is not coming from me, it's bound to be dirty, it's bound to get messy, it's bound to go south always. And I think that plays that, that that's a factor that plays out nowadays. It's like people actually want to have people in charge that they can look at and and kind of like relate with on a human level instead of saying god runs our business you know like people want someone to be in charge and so with that tendency to want someone in charge our our tendency is now to think hey all right this is the party i affiliate with this is the party i like this is the party that stands by my truths or my virtues or my values or whatever and we oftentimes pay more allegiance to a political party than we do to God as Christians. And that's a huge issue um, mm -hmm. because we don't take in the fruits of the spirit. We don't, we don't act like Christians. We start acting like a party 
we, we don't start acting like God. And Jesus made that very clear. When he came, he didn't take sides on a political party because the Pharisees were kind of like, let, let's just say the Republicans of the day and the Sadducees were the Democrats. There were, there were two sides and people were always like warring against each other, <laughs> like which was the right one. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was like, no, I've come to bring a kingdom you know, it's not about these kingdoms. It's not about this like horizontal stuff that matters. It's the vertical kingdom that matters. Right, right. And as Christians, we're called to step out of that stuff. And I think we haven't done that well. And that's caused a lot of resentment. Not at all. Yeah. And for me personally, like I, there have been so many times where I've been talking to someone and, you know, we... I took it easy on the older people. I'll, I'll, I'll turn up the heat on them a little bit now. Yeah. I've heard so many older people where they're talking and they're expressing, we're having a spiritual conversation and they're talking about loving people and they're talking about community outreach and all these other things, you know, feeding at homeless, homeless shelters, stuff like that. And then eventually the conversation gets to a point where all of a sudden I realize that they are more motivated by Donald Trump than by Jesus Christ. Yeah. And when I see stuff like that, it's like, if there was ever an excuse for someone to leave the church because somebody misrepresented God to them, that would be a perfect example. Because that, that man is not the face of Christianity yeah. by any stretch. Do you remember that one time there was a clip where they asked him what his favorite Bible verse was and he kind of lollygags dances around yeah, it? Like he yeah. could have, he, if he knew anything about the Bible, he could have said John three sixteen, mic drop, out of there. Yeah, He didn't even know that. Yeah, but modern Christianity—that that's your face, that that's your God right there, and yeah. we definitely have a problem. And furthering the conversation a little more, we've talked about you know the political elements and whatnot. I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, you were at Southern when COVID started, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, perfect. So I think that the COVID nineteen pandemic really exacerbated and accelerated some of the issues that we have with young people leaving the church because for a short time nobody was going to church yeah and so it made it very easy for some of those people who were, were never really in it frankly at the beginning to mm -hmm. stay out of it but you yeah. you take classes about this you're much more of a resident expert on the subject than i yeah. what do you think the impact was of the COVID 19 pandemic specifically on young people leaving the church I'll be honest. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to go back to what I've said this whole podcast, but relationship. I, I, I think the, what we saw was that everything moved virtual. Everything was social distance. Everyone was to stay away. Everything was keep your distance and don't, don't come close. And honestly, it's hard to experience community like that. I mean, a lot of churches didn't even... Uh, they did not just lose young people. They also lost um, older members right. of, of, of the church and adults. And so everyone just saw like, it was like a big kaboom and everything just crumbled down. So it was, it was mostly the fact that the ability to facilitate connection and relationship was just hindered to some degree because now we're on Zoom, you know? Yeah. Do and you now, think Zoom or youtube live streams or whatever do you think that's a viable alternative for church do you think that when a population moves from coming to church in person yeah. to watching church online that you automatically lose a certain percentage or do you think people are 
only tuning in because, because like there's two sides to it, right? Yeah. When you're at home, nobody's watching you. Yeah. You can choose to turn on Netflix or turn on the Tennessee Volunteers game, right? And yeah. nobody's there to judge you, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of tend to be on the side of the fact that you didn't have to get out of bed and you can be on your phone watching the Volunteers game anyway yeah. means that people watching church virtually are are, are less invested. Mm-hmm. It's not my place to judge. God God didn't give me the ability to read hearts. But yeah. I tend to think that when people are doing church online instead of in person, yeah. that it it signals that if they're not already out the door, they're about to be. But that, that's my perspective. What do you think? I agree. I think it's true. Um, I mean, very quickly, it can. there are two sides to it. Some people have come to the church because of online ministry. Um, and people are just browsing YouTube, they find a stream, mm-hmm. they start watching it, and all of a sudden they land in church the next month, you know. But they usually Shoot, I want to. coming to church, correct? Yeah. But there are a lot of people who use live stream or stream church services to just stay at church and become uh, uh, procrastinators in their walk with God and say, oh, I'll go to it one day, and they don't end up going. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas and Easter. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, the live stream has a benefit, but I, I'd say whoever comes in person knows the value of what it's like and to invest in the community, to actually invest. When you're online, it becomes very transactional. It becomes uh, very, um, uh, what's the word? Um, I mean, I, I just say transactional, honestly. Uh, you're just processing, 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 and you end up seeing almost like if it's a show. There's no interaction taking place. There's no nothing. You just watch it, absorb it, move on with life. But church is so much more about that. More than that, sorry. It it should be like, hey, what are ways we can pour into this community or that community Mm -hmm. or fellowship with these people? Yeah. yeah. And and again, I'm somewhat repeating myself, adding a little bit of detail here. I think when COVID hit, College Yale, Tennessee, Southern Adventist University. I heard people say in the aftermath, people like the the chaplains and stuff like that on campus at Southern, that they felt that the spiritual atmosphere had been reduced on campus, mm-hmm. that the campus was less spiritual than it had been before. And I was like, hey, nothing changed. You're just seeing more clearly where people already were at. Yeah. Because before COVID, Vespers was like a fashion show. Three-piece suits were everywhere. Everyone was trying to be dripped out and yeah. don't do Vespers dates, but Vespers dates, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. And I think when people stopped having to go and the campus culture no longer revolved around how good can I look on a Friday night. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that trying to look good on a Friday night yeah, is yeah, the yeah. right reason to go to church. But what I am saying is that people who weren't really in it because they didn't actually believe the things that were being talked about at Vespers, those people found other things to do on their Friday evenings. And then when Vespers came back, the culture didn't change because we still have COVID. And so they still had that built-in excuse to say, oh, I'm not coming because I don't like big groups or whatever. And then what you got is people doing what they wanted to do all along. So again, nothing really changed on that. So you know how we like to do again, big conversations, family. We always, always, always have to ask the question, do you have a problem? So Carl, do you have a problem with self-censoring ministers? I'd say yeah. I'd say yeah. Um, people shouldn't shy away 
from saying stuff. Just be obviously say it respectfully. Say it in a way that it's not insightful, that's not, you know, poking the barrel per se. But um we can't just shy away from being bold. We can't just shy away from touching on big conversations, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Or, or anything along those lines we there are things that need to be said and when people don't say things it usually leads to um misunderstandings it usually leads to negative stuff the world works a lot better when there's clarity you know so mm -hmm. I, I i just say go for it instead of self yeah, I, mean. I agree with you and, and for me guys the bottom line on this one is very simple the reason why I have a problem with self-censoring ministers is because your religious figures and your comedians and maybe some other people in those kind of spaces, they have the ability to say things and to take the conversation in a direction that other people, your politicians, your medical professionals, they're not allowed to. So when we get to a point where the people whose job it specifically is to have those conversations, to talk about whether... Balenciaga is okay sexualizing children. What when it's the conversations about if the church is too political, when it's all these conversations that people are not comfortable having, when ministers who have this knowledge from God's word are too shy to say it because they want to keep the, the tithing donations coming into the church, don't wonder why people are leaving. Young people are looking to well, what are some examples? They're looking to Andrew Tate. They're looking to Tate is the first name that comes to my mind. But my point is people are looking for truth. People are looking, especially young people, are looking for someone to give them guidance, to yeah. tackle the difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. If anybody should be the last person standing in this cancel culture, it should be ministers. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. I, I can't think of any time any of those topics were discussed in a church that I've been to in the last ever if i'm being honest yeah yeah. yeah carl you're in school you're studying theology if, if there's one thing just one little challenge i could throw to you don't become the kind of minister that doesn't talk about the things that we need to hear because at, at that point i i don't want to say your career is wasted but bro that's not happening trust me <laughs> pretty much is yeah that's not happening good good, um, good and something i will say is I, I guess maybe let's address the church for a second. Okay. Uh, church, we need to stop, like absolutely stop, completely, totally, 100% shy away from tough conversations. We're building up walls by doing so. I'm just going to leave it there. Cool. Yeah. We're, we're killing ourselves. He meant to say big conversations yeah big conversations <laughs> anywho I, I think this is this has been a good discussion remember guys the word of the day is disingenuous it means you pretend you don't know things you actually know tell a friend pass it on learn how to spell it too so what prompted the topic for us was the fact that i as a child kind of left the church and then came back carl has been a youth director and so he's seen firsthand how people young people are exiting the church so why is this important it's important because religion is inherently about sharing it's about growth and the fact that we're not holding on to the people who have been exposed to it is a problem and also the fact that religion is generally on the decline in western society means that morality whether you're a christian or a muslim it doesn't matter morality is going down and that hurts all of us so what do we talk about 
kids don't really believe the things their parents believe a lot of times. So these statistics that say kids are leaving the church maybe more reflects the fact that kids never are actually entering the church, even if they're born to mm -hmm. religious parents. And we talked about the fact that some churches seem to emphasize tradition over the gospel, although we did also acknowledge that that can be an excuse, that can be a way to play the victim. We talked about how Christianity has been politicized and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, and, and whether it changed things or whether it just exacerbated the problem that's there, we can't say it brought more people to church. And finally, both Carl and I, we do have a problem with self-censoring ministers. Again, pastors, we're talking to you. We're begging you. Do the right thing. Speak about these difficult issues. Because if we don't hear it from you, we're going to have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Carl, this has been an excellent conversation. Is there anything else you want to leave the people with before we let them go about their day? Uh, don't shy away from reaching out to someone who's young. Make that connection. That could be... The last, I mean, that the connection you make with a young person could very well be nowadays the one that saves their life. You never know how, how needy these kids are for relationship. So never, never shy away from an opportunity to, do, to interact with someone young. Perfect. So you guys heard him. It's all about relationships, young people. What are you doing? Just go back to church. Hey. Big Conversations family, that is it for today. We will see you in the next one. And as always, don't do anything that I wouldn't do.